The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Six, four, Welcome to another episode of the 643 Podcast for 680 The Fan and the Podcast Park. And um, didn't think this episode would go this way, but unfortunately today is not a very fun episode to have to have. A lot of worries going on in Braves country right now where despite winning what I think might have been the most well-played series uh, from both teams, the most well-matched series across the board that the Braves have played this season against the Baltimore Orioles, Instead, we're talking today about Max Freed, who just hit the IL with a forearm strain, which is, frankly, never a good sign. Uh, forearm strains are, anytime you hear the words forearm strain or forearm discomfort for a pitcher, the first thought is always Tommy John. Now, the Braves did say, and take it for what it's worth, because the Braves aren't exactly very open with, with injury severity to begin with. As we all know, we can all remember... Uh, the Dansby wrist in 2018. We can remember Freddie's wrist in 2019 uh, and, and a whole bunch more of other injuries that have seemingly been two week injuries that have snowballed into a month, two month type stretches. The Braves don't really give you any more information than they have to. They did say that an MRI revealed did not reveal anything as far as needing a second Tommy John surgery for Max. So that's really, really good. I don't know how this happened, too, because when typically when you look at a guy who might be struggling with his forearm a little bit, you tend to be able to tell in their pitch data. Generally, their velocity will be down a good bit. Generally, their movement won't be as good. They won't be as crisp. This is how you know something was wrong with Kyle Wright, right? He, he dropped about three miles per hour from the first inning to the second inning to you know, warming up for the third inning. You kind of know, like, all right, something's not right here. And Max, as a guy, Max actually looked like he was throwing harder in this last start than he was in his previous start, which was a rainy day in New York. He actually looked, or I say a rainy day in New York. I think it was a rainy day in Atlanta. He actually looked better. He had 20 swing, uh, 20 swings and misses from the Baltimore Orioles lineup. He looked good outside of the two home runs allowed in the two errors. So I don't, I don't know what caused this or when or how they figured it out, but that is, frankly, that is nerve-wracking. Now, the Braves have been good despite not having Max for a lot of this year anyway. But that's a different schedule. And there's a difference between, all right, Max's hammy is a little busted up. He's walking fine, and we don't think there's any issue, but we're just being careful to, oh, God, there's something wrong with his forearm. We need to put him on the IL immediately. Now, they did backdate it to May 6th, so that could be some decent signs there. Could also be a bad sign. They're maybe thinking that he might end up needing to go on the 60-day. 
backdating it to the six would, would make it as easy as possible. But there's not a lot to go on when you get to the dreaded forearm strain. They don't tell you the severity. They're not going to tell you the grade or anything like that. All they're saying right now is they're going to have max rest until it's fully healed and essentially kind of do what they're doing with Kyle Wright, which is wait to see when he's feeling good again and basically re-ramp up and basically restart spring training for the both of them. That is not ideal. For a Braves team that is, is off to their best start in 35 years, playing like the best team in baseball here lately or you know second best behind the Rays who I don't know if they're ever going to lose again it's not exactly it's not exactly a great start for the Braves now it does mean that we're likely to see Michael Soroka soon which is I guess some bomb for Braves fans but you could live without Kyle Wright and I don't mean that to say that Kyle Wright's not good Kyle Wright was going to be a big part of this pitching staff the entire season and I thought he had a chance to really solidify himself as one of the best threes in Major League Baseball. It's awesome that you've had Bryce Elder pitching the level he's been pitching at. He's been the three for this Braves rotation, and he's currently, I believe, second in the National League or second in baseball and overall ERA at 174 and looks fantastic. So, I mean, that's good. And I, I, I've said, I said this yesterday on air that I'm getting to the point with Bryce Elder where I'm just kind of accepting that he's just an outlier, that he's just a guy that outpitches all the predictors, uh, and that I'm pretty comfortable with that. He's going to give up hard contact, but if it's going to be on the ground, it's not a big deal. Uh, especially now the Braves have Orlando Arcia back. It's a little bit of a different story, though, when you've got to replace Max Freed, especially right now during probably the toughest part of the schedule that the Braves will face this season. It's not to say that they can't do it, but if Max is going to be out for any long-term length of time, and for reference, the last thing for the last Braves player with, with a forearm strain that I remember anyway was Tucker Davidson back in 2021, where he went on the 60-day IL, wasn't heard from again until he got a World Series start. So, I mean, I guess that's a good thing. If the Braves get to the World Series, you get Max Freed back. Um, but it's typically not something that I would expect him. I, I don't think this is going to be a short-term IL stint. And I hate to say it, I love Max. Max is so important to this staff, not just because of how good he is as a pitcher, but because he's kind of the one guy on this staff and Bryce can be this way if he's, acting, if he's got an aggressive bunch of hitters at the plate. But more often than not, Max is that guy that once you get him onto the mound, you feel really good knowing that you're probably getting seven innings out of your starter, and your bullpen, for the most part, is going to be able to get a little bit of a day off. That is kind of the one thing you're looking at in this rotation right now. Spencer's a five-inning to a six-inning max type of guy. Bryce is most likely a six-inning type of guy maxed out just because of pitch count. Charlie Morton, he's probably five to six innings. Now you've got two spots that you have to fill. Looks like it'll probably be Jared Schuster tomorrow if it's not a bullpen game. We'll see. Really need a good start out of Charlie tonight. But it won't be Dylan Dodd who's pitching in Gwinnett tonight. The Braves recalled Danny Young uh, instead of Dylan Dodd, so we know they'll just go with the extra bullpen pieces, at least for the foreseeable future. I would imagine, and I, I kind of thought that Soroka would get the call up for Kyle Wright. Now you got to figure out what you're going to do to cover for Max Freed. And maybe it'll be Dodd. Maybe it'll be Schuster. We'll see. Maybe it'll be Alan Winans, who's pitched really good for Gwinnett this year. Been a bit of a surprise. Maybe. I, I don't know. But now you start looking around and saying, the Braves are probably going to be in the market for starting pitching uh, as we get closer and closer to the deadline. And I don't honestly know. Depending on, depending on how quickly they start turning and burning looking for a starting pitcher, that'll let us know what they really feel about Max Freed. Now, there's a couple of targets that are fairly interesting. The Cardinals are like the worst team in baseball, not named the Royals or the Athletics right now. So Jordan Montgomery, who's probably about their only decent pitcher, 
That's one that would make some sense. Uh, if you could work a way to get Montgomery and, say, Dylan Carlson or, or Tyler O'Neill, you've got another outfielder in play there. And Dylan Carlson, his, his, for what it's worth, Carlson's metrics are way, way better than his surface line would indicate them being. That would be a guy that I would be fairly interested in. He would also provide elite, elite defense in the outfield. Um, and he's a switch hitter, and he's got some speed to him. I, I wouldn't mind that at all. That, that would seem to be a very good Braves fit. Um, there's just, outside of that, Alex Cobb kind of feels like the perfect addition for this Braves team. Cobb's numbers uh, have been very good for the Giants. The Giants aren't doing anything this year. Uh, probably wouldn't cost a lot. Uh, maybe maybe Lucas Giolito from the White Sox, who were just terrible. They're going to have a fire sale. Obviously, obviously, you would love to bring, you'd find a way to bring in somebody like Dylan Cease and pair Spencer Strider with, with Spencer Strider Light and Dylan Cease. And honestly, I think the Braves would probably be pretty good at being able to maybe figure out a better plan of attack to get Cease deeper into games. I would love that, but the Braves don't have the capital to do that and, um, unless something crazy goes down or the White Sox decide that they want to be like the A's and, and just take a bunch of quantity over quality. I don't really know what the best method for that would be. A.J. smith Shaver just got called up to double-A. He's, he's, he's not a realistic choice for this rotation as much as I love what he's done. Um, the Braves are going to have to juggle this now. Now, the offense can score enough runs to make this work, especially as, as we've now got basically the full lineup back in tow. Travis Darno back up on the big league club. Um, Michael Harris playing and playing well again. Um, left field, Eddie Rosario starting to come along here lately. Since about since about the middle of April, he's been swinging the bat much better. Um, that, and that's, that's a good sign, too. Kevin Pillar has played really well. Uh, you've even got Ozuna having better at-bats right now. So, actually, that, that whole point with Travis coming back, weirdly enough, that actually makes it actually might make the job harder for Brian Snicker rather than easier, which is typically not how it works when you get better pieces in your lineup back. Um, but now everything kind of is taking a backseat to the starting rotation. Uh, it'd be a, it would be a real shame to see this Braves team, which I think is I think is likely the most talented Braves team that we've seen since maybe that 96 or 97 Braves team. I think overall, this could be this is one of the most top five most talented Braves teams I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, and it would be a shame to see starting pitching injuries just kind of derail it. Now, for what it's worth, I don't think the Braves would allow this season to derail. They've gotten off to such a good start, despite the fact that really half the lineup has kind of been disappointing or injured this year. The rotation, for the most part, Bryce Elder's been a huge surprise. But outside of Bryce Elder and Spencer Strider, you know, striking out everybody. The rotation has been a little bit disappointing. Now, for some, like Max, it's more injury-related. Same thing for Kyle Wright. Charlie's gotten better over the last couple of starts. We'll see if that continues. Uh, but even the bullpen, the bullpen, which looked to be the best bullpen in baseball coming into the season, has been shockingly mediocre. Part of that might be from the heavy, heavy use early in the season when the starting rotation wasn't really doing their job. But all of a sudden, a team in Atlanta that looked like they were kind of unstoppable uh, we've got some real questions we're going to have to address here. I do think they'll go for starting pitching, but the issue that I'm finding right now is the usual suspects, the usual sellers, a lot of these teams are in positions where they're looking at the playoffs right now uh, and, and might not be much of sellers. The Pirates, the only real starter you look at them and say, oh, maybe I'd like him is probably somebody like Mitch Keller, and they're not trading him right now. He actually is pitching really well. Looks like he might be a dude, might be part of their future. The Diamondbacks are right in the thick of it in the NL West. So unless you want Madison Bumgarner, and nobody does, or unless you want like Zach Davies when he comes off the IL, which nobody does, 
I don't see them wanting to trade Merrill Kelly. I mean, they, they've, they've got some good young guys in Dre Jameson and Ryan Nelson, Brandon Fott, but I don't think, I don't see them looking to move any of those guys right now. And personally, I don't think if you're Alex Anthopoulos, you don't trust those guys to step in right away and do what Dodd and Schuster aren't. So I, I feel pretty confident for Soroka. I know the numbers in his past couple outings in Gwinnett haven't been incredible, but a lot of that, especially if you've kind of watched them at all or paid attention to the guys that are kind of watching and, and re, uh, relaying the information on, on social media, a lot of the issue for Soroka right now is the guys behind him are, one, everybody in Gwinnett's playing out of position. The fielding is, is just god-awful there. Soroka's getting ground balls. He's getting some soft contact, too. Uh, I believe his last start out there, there were three double plays that weren't turned, and there was a, a double that was a ground ball that the third baseman just didn't field. So once you get Soroka to the big league ball club and get some better defense behind him, those numbers will probably be pretty fine. His FIP right now is like in the mid threes versus an ERA that's in like the mid fours or even like the low fives. Uh, so that, that's something I'm not too worried about. I think Soroka is just similar to Elder, honestly. Soroka is a guy that's going to generate a lot of contact. So having a bad defense behind him is not going to be good for Michael Soroka. But Dodd, and while I like what Dodd did his last time out, I think Dodd is working through some sequencing issues. And it's not really issues. Many pitchers have to learn this, especially a guy like Dodd who doesn't have the most premium stuff. And his stuff is better than Schuster's, but it's not you know, premium, premium stuff. He's figuring out at the big league level that if he misses his spots by more than an inch or two, that ball's getting hit really hard. It's almost to the point, and this is something that he had to learn early on, one of the reasons he made the big league club out of spring training was because he throws so many strikes. That's one of the best things about him. At the big league level, though, during the regular season, you do kind of have to learn that sometimes throwing too many strikes is a bad thing. So he's still kind of figuring out his sequencing and the way he needs to go about it to be the most effective with what he is. And I think he will figure it out for what it's worth. But you got to be careful with those walk rates. And that, that goes for him and that goes for Jared Schuster, who's been walking everybody in Gwinnett this season. So the Braves have the offense to kind of get around that, at least in the short term. But if you start looking towards playoff scenarios and you start looking at you know rolling out a playoff rotation of Strider, Elder, and Charlie Morton, I mean – Elder has been fantastic this season, but I'd feel a heck of a lot better if Elder's my four than if he's my two. And I know Charlie's been really good in the playoffs and in the past, but I Charlie's probably the guy that I trust the least on this rotation right now if we're in big-time situations. And we'll find out tonight as the Braves are playing the Red Sox. But you look around the league right now, there's not a lot of options, not a lot of enticing options. Alex Cobb has been very good for the Giants, and the Giants are kind of some pitching gurus too. So maybe, maybe that's somebody you could get for fairly cheap. And all of a sudden, Vaughn Grissom, who just got sent back to Gwinnett, and I do think the Braves still think very highly of him. Uh, I know you'll see a lot of people on social media decrying that Vaughn is a bust and Braves need to move him before his value is gone. Um, cool it on that. He's 22 years old. Uh, you know, he's, he's got some stuff he needs to work on, but it's not like he hasn't been crushing it in AAA and crushing it at every stop in the minors. So it's, not, it's, it's just that it hasn't translated to Major League Baseball yet as a 22-year-old. Uh, with about 60 games of Major League experience under his belt. Some guys, it just takes a little bit longer. Not everybody's Michael Harris. Not everybody's Ronald Acuna. So I'm interested to see what the Braves are going to do. In the short term, I think they're just going to play it by ear, and it'll just be whoever is, is you know, whosoever start comes available between Schuster and Dodd. I think Soroka is the likely one to, to stick for Kyle Wright. And then filling in for Max Freed, I think we're likely to see it kind of be kind of a rotating uh, a rotating slew unless one of these guys just really takes hold of it 
and which would be great to see, but not quite sure how much I trust it. Maybe we'll even get something funny and, and we'll give up uh, even getting a little bit of a, of a reunion of sorts if you go with the Giants. They're not going to win anything. Maybe maybe they deal you Jock and, and Alex Cobb and don't have that price won't be too crazy high, uh, but that'd probably be something. Maybe Lucas Giolito from the White Sox, who... I don't like Giolito. I don't like his profile at all. Uh, I don't like guys that are soft tossers and rely on a changeup that they tend to locate up in the zone. That tends to be a scary profile. And Giolito, while he hasn't been terrible this year, has been absolutely horrendous since the sticky stuff breakdown. So I don't know that I trust him. But the way you're going right now, you're going to have to have somebody roll out there. Uh, and Braves don't have the, the capital to be able to get a Dylan Cease unless the White Sox are truly stupid. If, if Alex is able to work that, then, then he is a master, and he deserves to have like three or four statues built of him right now. Uh, at least for the offense's sake, getting Travis back, I think could it should be a really good boom, as now you've got Orlando Arcia back, who promptly wrote the double uh, in his first game back, made a good defensive play as well. Michael Harris is back, had the walk-off double uh, in the finale against Baltimore, where they had walked. Interestingly enough, Brandon Hyde decided to intentionally walk Marcelo Zuna, to pitch to Michael Harris, and I understand the thought process. Harris is a guy that hits a lot of balls on the ground. Uh, Ozuna can't run. You're in that situation in extras where a double play would, would help you out a lot. They gambled. They lost. Um, but having Michael Harris back and get him underway would be really nice for this team. Ronald is still playing his MVP level. Hosed another runner. And at this point, you're absolutely insane if you run on Ronald. I don't really care where the ball's at. Doesn't really matter the play. Uh, Ronald's gotten so good at fielding balls off the wall and fielding the caroms and just hosing people at second or third that it's a real boon to the pitching staff because you feel pretty confident that if they hit that ball to right field, even if it's a base hit, um, there's a good chance Ronald throws them out if they get a little bit greedy. And then you've got left field scenario. Pilar's played well, like I mentioned. Eddie, I think, is starting to come around. But... Now Snit has to figure out what's he, what he wants to do now that he's kind of got a full-strength lineup. And this is kind of going back to what we saw at the start of the season where, unfortunately, Snit made the wrong call in basically platooning Murphy and Travis Darno and turning Sean Murphy into an every-other-day player. That ain't going to fly. I don't think that's going to happen anyway. Sean Murphy's been the single most valuable player in Major League Baseball this year, even more so than Ronald Acuna. I don't think there's any way that you reduce him back to a part-time player. Um, but even even this idea of, of splitting the catching reps evenly between Travis Darno and Sean Murphy, to me, that, that's not a smart idea. And this, that's nothing against Travis. Travis is a fine defensive catcher. He, he you know calls a great game. Uh, he's good framer. He's not a great arm. But, you know, he, he catches well. Pitchers like him, calls a good game, all that good stuff. But he doesn't hold a candle to Sean Murphy. And Murphy is, Murphy is just better at basically every aspect than Travis but that's okay coming off of his fourth concussion I'd rather Travis be more in the DH role anyway save Travis's legs as much as you can when Sean does need a day then fine Travis can catch that day you know maybe one week it's one start behind the plate maybe one week it's two starts behind the plate I don't really know how you want to get into that nitty-gritty but Snit's going to have to make a decision on what he wants to do with Marcel. Now, Marcel's been swinging a better bat over the last four games. He's got three, he's got four home runs over this last week or so. Three of those were against Miami. But he had some better at-bats against Baltimore, some good takes and, you know, whatever, things of that nature. What I would highly caution is this. Don't be fooled by a week's worth of games from a player who's given you more than two years of evidence of what he is at this point. 
And you can tell me Travis doesn't hit right-handed pitchers well. He still hits them better than Marcel has hit them over the past two-plus years. He definitely crushes lefties. And Travis is a guy that I like having in the lineup. You can float him anywhere from fifth to seventh or eighth in the order, and it doesn't really matter. Um, doesn't walk a lot, but he also doesn't strike out a lot and make some hard contact. Uh, and he's a guy that seems to come up big. I, I would prefer to see Travis be the usual DH with Eddie Rosario in left, and then maybe platoon Eddie at DH some too when you want to give Travis or Sean an actual day off and get them out of the lineup entirely. Uh, and have Pilar be the other option for that platoon in left field, at least until you figure out what you're going to do. The more I think about it, the more I'm kind of on this train, and even though I don't think this player is nearly as good as as he was touted to be, I kind of like the idea of Dylan Carlson and seeing if the Braves can maybe fix something that the Cardinals just aren't good at doing because the Cardinals, frankly, kind of suck at basically everything right now. And he would be elite defense, switch hitter, all that good stuff, blah, blah, blah. I'm actually about to check on this and see how his splits are. I think that would that would be the most telling. And for the Cardinals, they were they were willing to trade Carlson in the Sean Murphy deal. They weren't willing to trade Lars Newbar. They weren't willing to trade a couple of the other guys uh, like Jordan Walker or anybody like that. And that's why it fell through for them. And they're probably kicking themselves. But for Carlson, Carlson is a guy that kind of came up as, as a guy you expected to be really good all around, and he's just never been that. When you look at him this season, uh, just pulling it up here on Fangraphs right now, he really hasn't been that good offensively this year at all. Uh, It's not a pretty line for him. Now, the underlying numbers, if you pull up his StatCast page, would show that he's been fairly unlucky. He's got a 280 Woba with a 328 expected Woba. At least in that respect, theoretically, based on the type of contact he's making, it should be the best se- offensive season of his career to this point. He's not really playing like that, but it is a guy that you know doesn't strike out a ton, just under 20%. Generally, he walks, the last couple of years, he's walked at a 9% clip. Uh, and I guess there's, there's some power in there. It's not a great profile. You could, you could interchange him and Tyler O'Neill, and I really wouldn't care which. I like Tyler O'Neill a lot, um, but Car- and they're both elite defenders. I'd really go for either. But I think the, the underlying data, the StatCast data, for, uh, for Dylan Carlson is much better. 90th, uh, 90, about Averaging about 90 off of the bat this season. The launch angle is right at 15, which is where you like to see it. He's barreling up more. His expected average is 271 with a 440 expected slug. You could get that out of him. That'd be fine. Um, likely cost you somebody like Grissom. Cost you a couple of others. Um, probably a Dodd and a Schuster. Uh, cost you pitching more than anything is uh, the Cardinals are going through it right now. They don't know what, what to do with Wilson Contreras or anything else of that nature. Uh, they seem to be trying to find whatever scapegoat they can. And maybe that's why you end up going with somebody like Tyler O'Neill. Um, as it stands, frankly, I think the Cardinals are probably your best bet. Jordan Montgomery is not anybody that's going to beat the door down or anything. Uh, I don't find him to be outstanding. But again, if you have him and he's like your fourth in this rotation, I think that's fine. Uh, he's you know, he's a guy that that's not going to blow you away or anything. He's not going to strike out the yard, but he doesn't walk anybody. Um, decent ground ball clips, the same clip right now as he did last year. It's right at forty forty seven point six percent. Got a three two nine ERA, and he's pitching better than that. So um, that would be a guy that I'd really look for. Uh, he's actually he's only under contract through this season, and it's ten million. Um, again, it's probably going to cost you pitching. Don't think it would cost you anybody in the realm of, say, A.J. Smith-Shaver or Owen Murphy or J.R. Ritchie. 
But, I mean, there's a few other guys the Braves can play with. And, and for the Cardinals, they, they need something. They need to figure out something. Uh, definitely need catchers. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do behind the plate. They're kind of screwed if they don't. They need to move an outfielder or two uh, to figure out what they want to do with Wilson Contreras and that log jam they've got in the outfield. Uh, so, yeah, not as happy of an episode today as I would like. I wish I could come on and be super excited. Uh, unfortunately, whenever I see something like Max being on the IL for a forum, that put, kind of puts a damper on the day. Hopefully the Braves are able to overcome and take both of these games against the Red Sox. I think they'll be fine either way. I don't think this affects the division, which they're now up by seven games. But if this is a long-term injury, this definitely changes the outlook for the Braves heading into a potential postseason. That would make the starting rotation a pretty glaring weakness in comparison to the rest of the playoff teams around Major League Baseball. We'll see going forward. Fingers crossed that it's just something small, not a big deal. And then Max will ultimately be fine. And the Braves are just kind of playing it safe and being cautious. We'll see. I don't know when we'll get more information. I don't have anything, any insight uh, beyond just kind of shock at how quickly this happened. And that there were, there were no signs during his pitching performance that uh, things were going badly. So I don't know if this happened on one of the plays where he made an error on. I don't know what the deal was, really. Hopefully we'll find out some more info. And hopefully the Braves will figure it out. But I guess silver lining, we'll see Michael Soroka. Um, not the way that I wanted to see him, but hopefully Soroka can come back. And if, if Soroka can look like Elder, which is so, so weird to say, uh, but if Soroka comes up and looks like Elder where he's just dominating by getting ground balls, then fine. I mean, it'd be awesome to see Soroka do well. I think he can. I think that uh, I think the stuff is, is fine. I think the stuff is actually probably better than it was before he went down. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. The command has been a little off. The walk rate's been a little high for him. But even so, uh, it'll be nice to see Soroka in a Braves uniform. And then we'll see... We'll see how Alex Anthopoulos chooses to, uh, to approach this situation going forward. But that's going to do it for me today. Good luck to the Braves tonight. Hopefully Charlie Morton can really, really step up and provide a lot of innings, provide some coverage. He's going to need to be a guy that can get six into seven innings now to kind of help save that bullpen so the bullpen doesn't get worn out going forward and we don't see this kind of fishtail and kind of derail what could have been uh, a really, really beautiful season for the Braves. But that's going to do it for me. We'll be back on Thursday here for 643 on the fan. 680-937-FM. That's all, folks. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. 
And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout metro atlanta jim ellis automotive where you can always expect the best this morning in north carolina wheels are spinning determination is winning a passion is now a thriving business and it shows no signs of slowing down how the power of a conversation like the one clint spiegel had with first horizon bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. now it's not just talk it's rubber meets road First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.